What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dump and Chaser podcast. We have been gone for oh, it seems like a year and a half. Um, it's only been a couple weeks. I guaranteed a Thanksgiving podcast. I did not follow through. That's my fault. Um, my day job kind of kicked in, and QVC doesn't sleep, so I don't sleep, and uh, things got a little hectic. I hope everybody had a good holiday. Um, I know a lot of you guys got time off. I know a lot of you don't. Um, hope you got to see see the family, spend some good time, maybe do a little Black Friday shopping. Um, if you're smart, you did it from your computer, tablet, whatever. Uh, but we're back. Uh, we're happy to be back. I uh, Lots happened since I last talked to you guys. A lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, I mean, a lot of good in the sense that it's been a lot of bad for the Flyers, um, having lost nine straight at the time I'm recording this. Um so we're just gonna we're gonna jump right into it. It's mid, you know, about that quarter way through the season, the time where everybody starts handing out superlatives and awards and seeing where everyone stands, and it's kind of a good good starting point uh, for what you think you for what you think you're gonna see uh, come playoff time, come the end of the season, uh, all that stuff. So I think we're in a good spot uh, to keep going. Uh, don't forget to uh, like the Dump and Chaser Facebook page, follow the Twitter page. Uh, download us on iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you uh, use to listen to us. Just make sure you're giving those uh, our reviews as well. We we appreciate those five star reviews. All right, so let's get right into uh, some superlatives and just kind of look at uh, the most surprising teams as far as you know the quarter mark of the season and who's where uh, we didn't expect them to be uh, good or bad. And we're honestly. We're going to go three good uh, with surprise. I got three teams. I have three teams that um, have been pleasant surprises uh, so far this season. Uh, we're going to start with the LA Kings. I was saying before that I didn't think this would hold up. I didn't think they were fast enough. I thought that the way they were kind of playing would catch up to them um, at least by the quarter point, uh, maybe even sooner. Uh, and it hasn't. They're playing really well. Um, the guys in front of Quick uh, are, ma- are keeping the puck away from the net. They've... You know, they're always they're always up there in block shots, but now that the offense is kind of there, you know, they were always a good team. Even, you know, when they miss the playoffs, you know, you want to say, oh, they're just, you know, they're not what they're used to, or they lost too many pieces from those cup teams. Honestly, they just weren't scoring. And I know scoring makes you a good team, but they were still good defensively. You know, they still have Jonathan Quick, um, who some people still want to say is the best goalie in hockey. I think he's a little bit removed from that, but he is in no way um, some chump back in the net that they've got to they've got to babysit for sixty minutes every night. He looks good. Uh, he's making he's making the saves he's supposed to, and he's moving around in the crease really well. Um, no hangover for any injury or anything. Um, they're good and they're scoring the puck. And Kopitar is you know finally you know leading this team in the direction it needs to be going. So good on them. Um, sticking in the division. The LA, or the LA Kings, the the Vegas Golden Knights are st- are keeping this up. Um, they had won something like eight straight at home uh, before Dallas kind of lit them up there. But they they just keep in there. You talk about scoring the puck, they're scoring the puck. They've they've used five goaltenders this season. They still don't have their starter Marc Andre Fleury back. Malcolm Subban is showing that you know he maybe didn't have the experience, but he was you know he was ready to go. He looks good. Um, you know, he's got the struggles that you would expect from a young goaltender, but they're doing all the right things, and it kind of, you know, makes you wonder, how, like, how they're looking at this season as far as, you know, 
do they think they have legitimate Stanley Cup hopes, or are they kind of using this start and the kind of the reputation of some of the players they're building, you know, like a William Carlson and James Neal, do they use the, the rising stock in those guys to get even more at the trade deadline and really work, you know, for this team moving forward, or do they just go all in, all in, in this first season? You know, that's that's something you really got to pay attention to because if they go all in, you know, and they don't even, you know, make the playoffs, which is still a possibility. This is still an expansion team, you know, we've got to remember. And if they go all in, now they've got an older team. You know, there's no real, like, middle ground. There's some guys that are kind of, you know, late 20s, but there's, like, a lot There's a lot of rookies, a lot of young players, and a lot of veterans. You know, James Neal, uh, even Fleury. Like, they're up there in age. So there's, you know, there's a lot of risk involved if, if trying to go all in when you're still, you know, not really sure that the playoffs, you know, that this is something that you'll be able to keep up into the playoffs or even get to the playoffs. So, you know, you just it makes you wonder, and it's it's a lot to think about, especially for George McPhee and the ownership group and just kind of where they want to stand as a team. Moving forward, you know, in the next few weeks, you know, they've got to be smart in the immediate future because they don't have a past. So there's no real, you know, precedent for, for where they want to be. So... But they're still surprising. You know, it's still surprising that they're this good for this long. Um, but I think the smart move and what wouldn't surprise me is them using, you know, this start to ensure more starts like this as, you know, this franchise ages and going into next season and the season after that. Use Neil and, you know, if you use William Carlson, you'll probably get a lot more than, you know, if you had tried to, you know, move him at the end of the season or, or early on this season or before this. Like, right now, in the next month or so, I think it's the time that you, you start looking at that. But I, I don't think William Carlson is going anywhere. But James Neal would be one of those guys um, that you move for the progression of the franchise, not because he's somebody that doesn't want to be there um, or that isn't doing what you need him to. Because I think he's doing what you need him to to such a – a high degree of success that it's working out that you might be better off in the long run without him for what you could get for him. So, um, we'll, you know, we'll definitely keep an eye on that and, but you know, good for, good for Vegas, good for the city, good for the franchise, George McPhee, like all those guys that just are just pushing this team and, you know, their social media team is obviously, you know, light years above a lot of even the original, original six teams. And, you know, they're really fun to interact with and everything, and uh, they do they do a good job of just marketing this team um, so people, you know, tune in, and I think that's good. Good for them, and I think it's good for the league for this team to be successful um, as early as uh, they have been. Uh, last but not least, as far as surprises go and positives, are definitely the Blues. Uh, I think I, I said they would make the playoffs. Um, I still said they'd be good, but this good... This quickly, um, with everything that's going right for them, and I say everything because nothing really seems to be going wrong. They just they they put up a lot of you know they get a lot of goals. Defensively, they're sound. You know, you almost feel like the the foregone conclusion of Eric Carlson winning the Norris Trophy has shifted to well, you know. Um, Petrangelo is going to be up there and, you know, even Dowdy still, but Petrangelo has really showed a lot of people, um, who he is and, 
what he's able to do, especially with Bo Meester out for so long. Um, you know, he was really the anchor of the entire team. Um, he's more of a vocal guy, um, which is relative because he's still not that vocal. But Vladimir Tarasenko, you can hardly get a word out of him. And uh, it's good. It's good for the Blues to have Petrangelo kind of step up and, and do the things he's doing and propel this team into being uh, not even first place in the division, uh, first place in the in the Western Conference, and pushing the Lightning uh, for the for the best record in hockey. And you know the Lightning are a surprise, but Stephen Stamkos to Stephen Stamkos and Kucherov. I mean, those guys are those guys are playing so well, um, and they've proven that they can all play well individually. And now that everything's coming together like this, that I really can't chalk that up as a surprise. But St. Louis, for sure, they're just they're blowing everyone out of the water. Um, they're a very good team, and the Central is proving yet again that it's it's the best division. And you know, you, now you've got St. Louis, who's playing unbelievably well. Winnipeg's playing really well. Dallas, Chicago, Nashville. Like, there's five. I mean, those five teams are going to make playoffs. Like, no one from the Pacific outside the top three is going to even have a shot. The way things look now, so we've got um, we've got four teams jockeying for position behind the St. Louis Blues, who are just what seems like light years ahead of the rest the rest of the conference. You know, nobody's really skating with them for a full sixty minutes. Yeah, they've I mean they've obviously lost games. Everyone's lost some games, but there is no inconsistency in the bunch, and I think that's huge going forward for a team that um, has gotten so close to success. Um, and just and just missed out. Um, you know, you go back two years ago, they lost to the Sharks in the conference final, and you know they still have yet to win a Stanley Cup as a franchise. And if if there's a year, if there's a time where you think, wow, you know, this team's finally going to get their cup. You know, I know it's only the quarter point of the season, uh, but a lot of people are adjusting that pick to make it sound like, uh, or to make it seem like the Blues are about to win the the Stanley Cup this year. So, and it, they're they're not wrong. I mean, you know, St. Louis is a great team. I don't love Stanley Cup predictions um, this early in the season. Plus, the Blackhawks are going to win it. So, why? I mean, I don't know why we're having the discussion, but we'll uh, we'll definitely see where this goes because St. Louis is going to be good for the rest of the season and for a long time coming. They have a great core, and uh, it's a it's a pleasant surprise, well received surprise to to see them start the season so hot. Um, moving on. So, from the surprises, is the disappointments. And this is kind of, I'll make this short and sweet because I don't want to harp on teams that um, don't seem to have anything that's going to change real soon. Um, and it, it's going to be a constant topic as we move forward in the season. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Carolina Hurricanes, all three teams I picked them uh, make the playoffs. A lot of people had the Oilers winning the Cup, and there's just nothing, there's nothing there. Um, we'll start with the Senators. You know, they make a... a "Quote unquote big trade to get to Shane. They lose tourists. Like they move tourists to to avoid signing into that big contract. But they kind of have like a, a a secret handshake deal with Duchesne after this season to give him all that money. Tourists goes to Nashville, signs for six and six, or six and thirty six. Like there's there's a disconnect somewhere here. And Kyle Turris seems like he was very well received in Ottawa. So I'm wondering where like." Why the push for Duchesne? Why push for Duchesne so hard when he hasn't really even shown that he, you know, yeah, he he. I mean, he gave up on a team. Yeah, he didn't want to be there, but he gave up. So what is? Well, what what do you do they think is going to change? Because he lives. Because now he's going to be playing a few hours, from where he grew up. I'm like he's a grown ass man. Like I 
I think it was, as far as stupid moves go, I think it was up there um, for sure. So I don't see things getting uh, much better for the Senators, which is always disappointing because I want to see Eric Carlson in the playoffs and do what he does best, um, you know, like leading a team to the conference within a goal of the Stanley Cup final on practically one foot. Um, and they're not really doing a, a lot to help, and I think it's bullshit. I really, I really think it's bullshit that that a guy like Eric Carlson is forced to be the offense and the defense um, of a team that has had so much going for them, and then all of a sudden it, it fell apart. And a lot of changes are going to be coming to the to the Senators um, probably before the end of the season. Uh, you can you can bet on that. The Edmonton Oilers. Um, can we shut up about it being Connor McDavid's fault? Like, I, I've, I've never understood this why in sports when you get, you know, not so common. I mean, it's it's common in football, but it's more of a it's more of a reach in football than it is like basketball and hockey, you should say. Like, when a team doesn't do well it and their best player is still playing well, they're, they're expected to adjust what they're doing to better the team. Like Connor McDavid being on pace for 122 points or whatever the fuck it was, and that like that's not good enough. Like I know it's a team game, but he's doing everything to put this team in the best position to win. Their defense is terrible. Now Larson's on the DL. I just got that notification a few hours ago. There's so much wrong with this team up and down, and people want to blame Chris Russell scored a goal on his own net last night. He rocketed a shot against the Maple Leafs last night. He spun around and just ripped a shot on his own net. Um, and then they ended up losing. I mean, that was with a minute left. And they lost it another game. So, you just... Like, there's so much wrong and people want to blame Connor McDavid. Like, the kid hasn't done enough already. Like, he could retire now. People would probably tell, tell me he's a Hall of Famer. And I know, you know, I'm being a little bit over the edge right there. But it, it's so mind-blowing to hear people blame Connor McDavid for the struggles of the Edmonton Oilers. Like, like signing Milan Lucic to a big contract like they did was bettering the franchise. They, they got to figure it out, and they got to figure it out soon. Because if they miss the playoffs this year, they're, they're going to miss it time and time again. Because this was the time. Yeah, I know he's still roughly new to the league. I mean, he did just win a fucking heart. So I don't know how new to the league, you can still call him. But Connor McDavid has to have this stuff figured out, and it seems like he does. So the rest of the team needs to follow suit of a 21, 22-year-old and pull it together because they, ha- they have to make the playoffs at least contend this year, get back to from where they are now in the cellar, and, and get back up and at least contend for a spot. Then you've got a bright spot moving forward. But if they just slump this whole year... Um, and, you know, if they're in the lottery, then then more is wrong with this team than we even know right now. But they, you know, another number one pick is not going to help them the way they think it will. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a defenseman this year. Um, and, you know, maybe it's the franchise defenseman. But all they do is trade away number one picks anyway. So I don't I don't know why. I mean, now Edmonton fans are, are turning on to the well, it looks like we'll just take a high draft pick this year and, and hope to recoup. No, you don't want that. You can't continue to do this and hope to be successful and or taken seriously in this league. Uh, and then last but not least, I don't even I had nothing to say on the Carolina Hurricanes. Everything's bad. They're bad. Um, and a lot needs to change. I, I can't believe I and so many 
um, people like me pick them to make the playoffs and and contend to maybe win a series. This this was bad. They were gonna be my my sleeper, and they're um, they're definitely still sleeping. Uh, we're gonna move on to a little more of the individual um, individual awards and like who. A couple of these are set in stone because they're points based, obviously. Uh, but you know, start with the Rocket Richard Ovechkin still. Scoring a lot of goals. He looks good. He looks fast. Um, I think losing that little bit of weight that he did, uh, it's just going to help him stay on the ice longer um, and at a higher tempo, which is going to help the the Capitals uh, push the pace with a lot of these teams as to where, you know, maybe in the past they had, you know, played to score three goals and then not lose. So hopefully, you know, Ovi keeps this up um, and he will win the Rocket Richard. MVP, it's tough because the obvious answer is Nikita Kucherov. But I was talking about the Blues, and I didn't bring it up for a reason. If you were harping about me why I didn't bring this guy up for the Blues earlier, it's because I wanted to bring it up now. Um, and it's Braden Shen and the way he's been playing uh, for, for St. Louis. I mean, he's been unreal. He's just scoring goals left and right. He's got assist on assist on assist. He just he finds ways to make things work every time he's on the ice, and he's contributing like we've never seen to to keep this team afloat in maybe games they shouldn't win. He's got 30, 30 points in twenty five games, uh, and he's playing on a good line. He's he's a natural center, and he played a lot of wing in Philly, and I think that might have hurt him. So maybe he's in, been this good for a while. Um, and we just we just didn't know it because he wasn't playing you know the position he was most comfortable with. And in hockey, you do have to be able to adjust. Uh, but to see him just you know come out here and play the way he has for St. Louis, um, I think he's going to start to get more MVP talk as as things go on because he's he's been a huge part to this team, addition to this team. And you know if they make the playoffs, if they win the President's Trophy, if they do anything uh, like that, I think you'd have to look at. Um, at him for MVP. Maybe it comes down to the President's Trophy. Whichever team finishes better, um, it'll be between Kucherov, Shen. Um, I don't want to say Stamkos because if you have two MVP candidates, you have none. I'm a firm believer in that. If you have more than one MVP, then you can take one of those guys away and still be good, and that defeats the purpose of most valuable. So we'll revisit that at the half-point way or the half-point mark, and kind of, again, at All-Star break, we'll go over this again, and we'll see, you know, if Shen kept it up, then I think there's no question that he's got to be in the talk, in the talk for um, MVP. Art Ross, uh, Steven Stamkos still up, you know, way up there in points. Just, but it, it, it's good, it's solid points. Some of them are hard-working points. Um, and you've got to watch him play, watch this Tampa Bay team play to see why I'm leaving him out of the MVP talk. And if you, you know, it's an eye test type of thing. Um, and I think once you see that, once you kind of realize that, you know, it's a lot of Stamkos, but all Kucherov. And I think that's that's where the the MVP talk kind of separates the two. So t- take a look at that. Turn on a Tampa Bay game, and, you know, they're, they're going to be on uh, NBC Sports Network a lot. If you have NHL Network, turn that on and just watch the way they play. Um, they're not usually on the ice at different times, but if they are, just watch the flow of the game and the way um, Stamkos is is dominating the ice, but looking for uh, 
a sign or or a direction, I guess, from from Cooch, and you know you'll you'll definitely see the difference. Um, most improved as far as well. Let's see. Vesna is real quick. It's Bobrovsky still. Um, Vasilevsky is not far behind though. But Bobrovsky, season ends today. Um, Sergey Bobrovsky of uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets wins the Vesna. Um, second place Vasilevsky. Most improved team. Um, I have two, and I kind of just want to wait to see where they finish, which is obviously why we do the awards at the end of the year. But it's between the Jets and the Kings. And I don't have some bullshit West Coast bias, which a lot of people think I have. I live in the Northeast now. Um, and there's a lot of teams out here that I like, but nobody, you know, the Kings were a huge positive surprise, and the Jets are still way up there. Uh, I think they're in second place in the Central now. Uh, which is huge. You know, the guys are starting to play, and they're not even relying that much on Patrick Laine. Um, Shifley, uh, Wheeler, Ehlers, um, even, you know, guys like Jacob Truba. I mean, Dustin Bufflin doesn't even, Bufuglian doesn't even have a goal this year. So, they're you know, they're they're not even at 100% of what they could be, and they're, they're pulling, you know, away from from the team we thought they might be. And they, they were last year for sure. And now it looks like they're going to be in prime contention for a playoff spot. And that's going to be monstrous for an organization that has had trouble sticking in one spot. And a bunch of guys who are starting to come together and play together like no other. Like those top two lines, they have two top lines. Whereas a lot of teams like freaking Arizona are still looking for a top line. They have six top forwards, which I think is huge for them going forward. Um, especially with keeping fresh legs on the ice and... Um, they're not going to lose very many overtimes. So I can I can guarantee you that. Um, so that's where that's where we are at the corner point of the season. Um, you know, but there's an obvious reason that we don't do the awards until the end of the season. Uh, and I I think it'd be cool to uh, I'll keep this list and we'll re-listen to the podcast and see how wrong I was because I normally am. I'm about to be a married man. I just better start admitting that shit right now. Um. But speaking of being wrong um, and disciplined, player safety, um, since I've talked to you guys, I know this isn't news anymore, but I wanted to address it because I spoke so kind of angrily. I let my emotions get kind of the best of me when I was talking about like the um, the Calgary and Detroit kind of line brawl and everything, which, sidebar, two minutes. Watch any line brawl from before 2002 and you will literally, you'll laugh at Calgary and Detroit fans bragging about this line brawl. It's a joke. This was like a little scrum. This is no different from basketball or when they say, oh, bench is clearing brawl in the MLB and nobody throws a damn punch. Like, I know punches are being thrown because it's hockey. Everyone throws a punch. But this was a joke. But what came of it was a 10-game suspension for Luke Wachowski, which deserved because it's automatic. He broke the rule that said 10-game suspension. Everyone wants to whine and cry about why he got 10 games. Cry about the rule. Like, the rule is why he got 10 games. It's not because what he did was so blasphemous. You can't be escorted off the ice and come back on the ice. It's Maybe he didn't know the rule, but he should. He's been playing hockey for 15 years. you gotta know. You got to know that sort of stuff when you step on the professional ice. Uh, and then coming from it was Kachuk. He got one game, which I agree with because everyone said, oh, he only got one game for that slash. Are you fucking kidding me? He got he tapped Witkowski on the back of his leg. If he wasn't so sensitive, he wouldn't have got ten games. And and maybe Kachuk still gets a game for trying to incite something. 
But this is like an instigator suspension, kind of like a, uh, well, you know, now you know, and don't let this happen again. Don't try to incite a riot at the end of a blowout. Like, and, and that's why he only gets one game, and pe people want to whine and cry about, you know, well, he got 10, and he and Kachuk only got one. Well, why is that? Well, there's a, a literal rule, you can look it up, that says 10 games. And I, I don't even think Kachuk should have been suspended, but this was a next time you'll get more type of suspension, uh, which we see all the time. And last but not least, a lighter suspension um, in comparison to the offense was Radko Gudis getting 10 games for trying to decapitate Matthew Pro of the Winnipeg Jets. He, I, I, I got in some pretty heated arguments uh, with Flyers fans who, as most of us know, are the worst people. And, uh, except for my listeners who are Flyers fans, you're the best people. But most other Flyers fans not listening to this podcast suck. And they're like, well, how can you, how can you say he tried to do that? How can you say he didn't? He's a professional athlete. Like, he's a professional hockey player who has a stick in his hands all the time. You're going to tell me that he doesn't know where it's headed or who's directly in front of him? Like, you don't, like, I'm not wishing that Perot got hurt. But had there been an injury... I would have argued that Gudis could have been suspended for the rest of the season. I wish he was banned from the league. This guy's garbage. And he doesn't get suspended because the NHL has been doing this. We're warning you, we're warning you time and time again. Ten games should have at least been 20. Um, and you can't, you can't tell me otherwise. You, you can't argue intent. Okay, well then, he, then he meant to do it. Like, if, if you're going to say this or that, he's a professional hockey player. He's a very large human being coming down on a defenseless player on his hands and knees directly in front of him on the back of his head and neck area. I, I, it's borderline McSorley on Brashear. Except, you know, McSorley was damn near went to jail. You know, or he did. Or it, it was close to it, if not. Radko Gudis doesn't even deserve to be in the league. And the fact that he only got 10 games is mind-blowing to me. But the Flyers are on a nine-game losing streak, so who really gives a shit anymore? Um... But I will be on the lookout for him to caught, to have another um, brutal play like that, and we'll see where the NHL goes from this. Because 10 games, I, I kind of feel like, and, and let me know if you feel the same way about this, because I feel like a 10-game suspension for something like that is a precursor to a season. And I know that's a big jump. And whether it's a season or the rest of the season or however they want to quantify it, this was the suspension that gets you the ban. And you'll, you know, maybe you disagree. Maybe you think this was a, you know, we're doing this because we have to type suspension. And, you know, maybe, maybe that is what it is. But, but they're doing this because they have to suspend a guy who tries to hurt people and, and intentionally takes a stick to the back of someone's neck. You have to suspend someone like that. Not because... He does it all the time, and he's just a violent... He doesn't even play the game. He just goes out there, he plays like a thug, and it, he's just a bum. And I'm, I'm glad to see him gone for 10, and I'm hoping he does something stupid again, and maybe we'll be done with this guy for the a long, long time. He's in Rafi Torres' range, and Rafi Torres didn't receive a lifetime ban, but he got that 50-game suspension that led to... Uh, the end of Torres. And, and, you know, Matt Cook got a heavy suspension, kind of cleaned up his act a little bit. I'm hoping Gudis doesn't clean up his act 
and and is done for for the foreseeable future. Uh, but I just wanted to touch on that stuff because player safety gets a lot of shit a lot uh, a lot of the time, and I think this was good for them. Like good on them for for really stepping up, laying down suspensions, whether you think they were too long, too short, um, or if they shouldn't have gotten a suspension, or you know if if you feel differently about what player safety did over the past couple weeks, you know let me know. Um, you know we'll have a discussion whether it's on Twitter. Um, you want to come on the podcast and talk about you know why your team's getting jobbed or no one's getting suspended. You know, so be it. Let's get after it. Um, but from my point of view, these suspensions need to happen. Maybe not Kachuk, but these suspensions need to happen. And I'm glad to see player safety at least doing something because they took a lot of a lot of nonsense for not doing anything. Um, and last but not least, I know we're going to have a little bit of a shorter podcast, um, but we're going to be right back to it uh, next Thursday uh, with a normal link, normal time, all that good stuff. Um, but... I wanted to end on Montreal and kind of the, the flip-flop of um, what what is the Canadians. And, you know, they've got Carey Price back. They've won three straight. Not necessarily against difficult opponents, a.k.a. the Detroit Red Wings, but they are winning. Like, they're winning games, but they're also scoring more goals. So if you're going to win a game six – if you're going to score six goals – you only need a goalie who won't give up five. And unless you're Steve Mason or Philip Grubauer, that's pretty easy to accomplish. So right now they're 12-12-3. They've won three straight. They've got Carey Price back. But still nothing in front of him. Like, Shea Weber's a damn good defenseman, but he's not enough to anchor a defense, if that, if that makes any sense at all. In, in my head it does. Um, but he does. there's not enough in front of Carey Price to protect him, and I know he's, quote-unquote, a lot of people's best goalie in the league, and if he's not, and the stats aren't there to prove it, and they need they need to do more, they need to trade for somebody, or do something, turn Jonathan Drouin into more of a two-way something, because there's not enough in front of Price or Lindgren when he comes in to keep this team afloat in you know, a close game because very easily with a team like Montreal that's really slow is that late third quarter push from an opposing team where all of a sudden a 1-1 game is a 4-1 game. Montreal goes home the loser again. And they they even had talks of while, while Carey Price was hurt of blowing up this team and no everybody moves but Weber and Price, which was weird to me because both those guys are over 30. So... There's there's so much going on in the front office of this of a franchise that doesn't accept losing, um, even though they do it all the time. There's there's a lot to figure out. Mostly this contract, but with Carey Price, but a lot need like they need to do a lot more to protect him because he's also pretty emotional when it comes to you know he's not Jonathan Quick or Patrick Waugh, but he. Things get to him quicker than than most goaltenders, and he's not in a Vesna race at all. I know he's been hurt, but he doesn't even have the short stack to to compete with these guys. And Montreal, without Carey Price and without a rip roaring ready to go Carey Price, they're not going to make the playoffs, and they're not going to win very many games uh, after this. So we'll you know we'll see where things end up, and you know next next week's podcast, I'm going to touch back on. 
um, the Canadians because a three-game streak with their goaltender back, a lot I could be saying, I could be singing a totally different tune come next Thursday. So that's where we'll leave it next week. Um, I'm gonna have a special guest, Quinn Cantu. He's gonna be on the podcast. Um, the World Cup draw was today uh, for FIFA. Uh, a lot of big news coming out of that. Quinn and I are gonna uh, dive into that and kind of see where things stack up. I'm still gonna watch it because I mean I didn't have very very many hopes for U.S. soccer even if they made it. And now that they're not there, it kind of opens up my eyes to um, some surprise teams. And if it's just going to be kind of chalk all the way through. Um, and Quinn, you know, knows more about soccer than just about everybody, anybody I know. And he's going to really be able to give us more insight into that. Uh, plus, we'll talk Capitals, uh, Austin Matthews, and, and a whole bunch of things. I want to appreciate you guys. With, uh, I appreciate you guys being patient with me uh, while we get this thing started. I know I said I would have one last week. I didn't. Uh, I'm not a liar all the time, so we'll, uh, we'll get things straightened out, and we'll be, I'll be more consistent for you guys uh, as the season goes on. And um, I mean, I'm kind of planning a couple off-season things, too. I know that's way, way, way down the road, um, but just to, just to keep it going and keep the, keep the hockey news flowing as, as long as I can. Uh, I'm still really excited about this. It's been a great project. Uh, I learned so much about the game, even just doing research for this show. Um, so I want to thank you guys for sticking with me, uh, listening to the podcast. Remember, we're on iTunes, Dump and Chaser. Twitter, Dump, the letter N, Chaser. Facebook, Dump and Chaser Podcast, all sorts of things. Um, I'm going to be sharing all this stuff. Um, tell your friends, tell your mom especially. Uh, and uh, I will see you next week. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Dump and Chaser Podcast.